Welcome to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. On this podcast, we journey through the devastating experience of the death of a child. Grief is seldom discussed openly in our culture, and the death of a child makes people feel even more uncomfortable. We approach the topic openly and honestly, speaking to people who have lost loved ones and experts who help care for them. Whether you are a parent experiencing loss or someone who wants to support another going through this tragedy, this podcast strives to offer hope and help. Welcome to episode 168 of Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. I'm Marcy Larson, Andy's mom. I am so excited to introduce you all to Lisa today. Lisa is Katie's mom. And I know all of you know this feeling. When you meet someone and you feel like you just click, like you are just similar souls. That's how I feel when talking to Lisa. I just feel like we have very similar personalities and kind of our motivations are really very much the same. So if you enjoy listening to me, I know you will enjoy listening to Lisa. You probably will enjoy listening to Lisa more than you enjoy listening to me, since I certainly do. But she talks about her daughter, Katie, and the amazing work that she has really done since her daughter Katie's death. She wrote a book. She started a membership-based support group. She has done retreats now. You'll hear all about it. And I know that you will just love her. So to find out more information, you listen all the way to the end. And that will tell you how you can find out more about Lisa and her retreats. Also, if you would like to hear more about the Starlight Ministries support groups that I'm involved with, you can go to starlightmen.org to that website to learn more about those opportunities as well. I do also want to continue to encourage you to email me, to write via social media, to contact me, to talk to me about your personal stories. And if you would like to share the story on the podcast, that would be great. If you just want to share your story with me, that would be great as well. I love to hear different people's stories. It just brings me a little bit of joy really, to hear about all of your amazing kids. If you know of someone who would be a great guest on the podcast, please email me that as well. And maybe email that person and see if they would like to reach out to me because I am always looking for new guests to have on the show to be able to kind of talk about what has helped them in their journeys. But for now, just sit back and enjoy listening to Lisa, Katie's mom. Thank you so much, Lisa, for agreeing to come on the Always Andy's Mom podcast today. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk to you. So uh, for all of my regular listeners, if you listened to um, Paige's mom, Linda, a few weeks ago, she is the one who introduced me now to Lisa, Katie's mom, and said, you really need to have this woman on the podcast. I think she would be fantastic. So we have Linda to thank for you being on, Lisa. And Linda's the one that got you kind of interested in the podcast a little bit and got you listening too as well. That's right. The universe works in funny ways sometimes. 
Yeah. Because you live, you don't live even close to Linda at all. I'm sure you've nope. never let Linda in person. <laughs> no, we haven't. Zoom <laughs> no. is as close as we've gotten to one another yeah. so far. So far, I know. I think she would like to come see you at some point in time, but you are in Saskatchewan, right? Yes, I am. Correct. Yes. And that is not super easy to get to <laughs> in many places in the United States. So it may take a while for Linda to get there, but probably eventually she will. And she'll get to meet you. It might be faster if I come to the U.S. Yeah, it might be. It might be. Well, why don't you start out by just telling us about your daughter, Katie? Katie was 17 and a half years old. She was a spark plug. She was sassy. She had an attitude. Um, ironically, she was my child that I never worried about. There was no way anyone was going to talk her into doing something that she didn't decide to do on her own. She would put people in their spot, uh, much to my chagrin at times. She was smart. She had just earned an entrance scholarship into the Faculty of Nursing at our local university here, six days prior to her accident. 95% average, just made good decisions. You know, yeah. she was on the honor roll. She put her education and her health before everything else. She had been a competitive dancer for years and just had this ingrained healthy attitude, you know, um, healthy choices when she ate, when she wasn't dancing, hundred hours a week, she'd steal my bike and ride to one of our local hills and run up and down the hill until she couldn't run up and down the hill anymore and then ride home. And those are the kinds of things she did for fun. Okay. So, you know, I just, I just didn't worry about her. No, I'm sure not. So do you have other children? I do. I do. So my where does she fall? Mm-hmm. She's the oldest, Okay. which is maybe where some of that bossiness came in. I don't know. Um, her younger brothers was born two years after her. Okay. And um, at the time of her passing, they, they were in very different places in their life, which I think mm-hmm. is something that my, my son has struggled with. But um, he's doing remarkably well. He, uh, we, we really hit a rough patch, a really rough patch with him after he lost his sister. But he's, he's, really, he's really doing well. Mm-hmm. How long ago did Katie pass away? Uh, it was 2015 mm-hmm. in December. So in this December, it'll be seven years for us. Wow. That's hard to yeah. wrap your head around, I'm sure. It really is. I, I'm sure everybody listening, you know, says and feels the same way that it feels like yesterday yeah. and a lifetime ago, all right. at the same time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that feeling will ever go away. Yeah, I am... I don't know either because it's been four years for me and I would say the exact same thing. And sometimes I feel like I can't believe it's this is my life and that's even happened at all. And I still feel a little bit like he should just be alive. And then at other times I feel like I've been in this grief forever. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. That's exactly what it feels like. Mm -hmm. So do you want to talk about now what happened? Sure. With Katie? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Katie was actually sitting in this very office where I'm speaking right now. And like I say, she was she was a, a unique person. She came flying out of the office 
uh, yeah. yells down the hallway to my husband, dad, dad, I've got to submit this English assignment by midnight. Do you mind, you know, correcting it? Breezes past me, parka on, boots on and out the door. She goes, I've got to run a quick errand. Literally so fast. Yeah. She moved a little bit like Kramer on Seinfeld, if anybody uh, <laughs> remembers him, but just yeah. very fast. And she was out the door before I could say, uh, you know, drive safe or see you soon or I love you. Yeah. Just out the door. And that was at about 7 p.m. in the evening. Mm -hmm. And my kids always had to be home at 10 p.m. Sorry, 10 p.m. on a school night. And so at quarter to 10, I was getting my pajamas on and I texted her and I said, you know, hope to see you soon. Hope you're en route and got into bed and at 10 o'clock the doorbell rang and that was the quote-unquote knock on the door that every parent hears my husband jumped out of bed put his jeans and his sweater on and i don't even know what was said but there was a sixth sense in my gut that told me to in my pajamas i'm trucking down the hallway to the front door there's an officer and a lady dressed in black, which I later discovered was the coroner, standing in my front entryway. Even though my daughter is not home, my little brain just thought, what did that little bugger do? My son, who was home in the yeah. basement, I thought, what did that turkey do? Yeah. Just not even for a millisecond thinking, oh my God, yeah. something's happened to Katie. And it was just like you see on TV, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Bain, would you please have a seat? And he didn't miss a heartbeat. He just launched right into your daughter. Katie was involved in a fatal accident tonight. And of course, my husband, who thinks in spreadsheets and is super analytic, he says, well, how do you know it was Katie? And yeah. of course, they had her registration, her car, our contact information. You know, there was just no doubt. Yeah. Um, and that's that began our journey, you know, um, when I did call my son upstairs and I said, you know, something terrible has happened to Katie. He didn't believe it. No. He said, no, 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 this can't be true. Yeah. It took the officer explaining things to him to, for him to actually wrap his head around it. It is just impossible to even really wrap your head around like you said I I feel that way I just like this just can't be happening mm -hmm. and I think it is especially hard for you know the siblings who might not have witnessed things too I know you didn't witness it either so it's just hard when you're not there and it all happens without you to really Absolutely. understand mm -hmm. yeah yeah so that began our journey yeah so they gave you that information. Did you find out kind of what had happened? Was it right away when she had left? Yes, it was within half an hour. And I, I, I mean, I, I live in a city of 250,000 people. So it's not mm -hmm. super big, but it's not super small. And of course, I'm not going to hear every siren. But, you know, there was a part of me that I just thought, jeepers, as a mother, how could I sit on the couch and read my book and Nada. not have mm -hmm. a sense or know that something had happened, that I carried on my evening for three hours, not knowing? Yeah, that is hard. 
I was thinking that too, as you were just telling it. So talk about that time after for you. You know, I remember like it was yesterday sitting on the couch across from the officer and uh, my husband was on one side of me. My son was on the other. And I feel guilty saying this right now, but I didn't cry. My, my trauma response was actually shaking. I was like a Mexican jumping bean on the couch. I was shaking so much, but I remember turning my head to look at my son who, you know, was not making great decisions at the age of 15 and just thinking, oh my gosh, this is going to go one way or another. And just in that moment thinking, I would find a way to hold this little family together. And just almost in my mind's eye, just imagine myself just holding on to my husband and my son for dear life. And that's kind of what got me out of bed every day. You know, mm-hmm. as much gray hair as that kid gave me in about a two, three year period, he was the reason I put my feet on the floor every single day. Sometimes, you know, as much as I, I hated the stuff he was doing, I was grateful now, now that everything's, you know, turned out well for him. Because I think, man, if I didn't have a kid that needed mom to be engaged and present, where would I be today? Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. And there are moms that are like that, right? Moms that lose their only child. For sure. Yeah. That would be difficult because it is a motivator. You have to find something that can Mm -hmm. motivate you to get out of bed every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I talk about that a little bit too. And just being, you need to have a why. And yeah. every, you know, one of us will have a different why. It might be our other children. It might be, you know, living in a way that makes our angel really proud or, you know, a myriad of, of reasons. But we need to have a reason to yeah. get out of bed every day. Mm-hmm. A purpose. You yes. Need to find your purpose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you've done quite a bit in that time since Katie died. Well, you know what? I think first of all, I want to ask you about your background because you are a nurse and not only are you a nurse, but you're a cancer nurse. So it's not like you've not dealt with people who are sick and dying quite a bit of your life, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, your training, that's kind of what you did. So how do you think that affected you? Did that have an effect on you? Well, um, and actually, to be honest and transparent, I'm not a nurse. I always say I'm not smart enough to be a nurse. What I am is a radiation therapist. Okay. So I have specialized training in delivering radiation to cancer patients. Right. But you're right. I mean, working with, in a space of death, and loss and illness, you would think, yes, you would think that that prepares you somehow for your own loss. But honestly, when I reflect back to my education, I think I have half a page of notes somewhere in an old notebook about grief. Yeah, that's it. And I think supporting others through grief and through illness and 
is a completely different ball game than losing your own child. If anything, it made me realize how lacking there is in in academic books and academic courses about grief. Like I thought, oh my gosh, I am so ill-equipped to do my job. But there's so little out there outside of the five stages of grieving, which right. I would like to burn personally. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I, I would agree with you 100%. And I would say that I was not at all equipped, even though, you know, being a physician, I have certainly dealt with my fair share of death. But I would, I don't think that it at all helped me. But I just, you know, I always want to ask that question to see if other people have a different perspective. But I think most people I've talked to have said that same thing, that I said it made me realize how I really didn't know anything before this happened, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I remember reflecting back, you know, like I think as, as moms, we're a little sensitive to, to some things that people say to us. But I, I think back, I think, oh my gosh, I was, I was that jerk one time who said that thing, you know, with, with good intention, of course, but, you know, again, it just, it just shows how awkward society as a whole is with death, grief, and loss. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. None of us are prepared for it. Has it changed how you are now with mm -hmm. patients? hundred percent, hundred percent. Sometimes I am the one that opens the discussion Yeah, and, and not to discredit anyone, but like I say, it's a, it's an awkward subject, but, um, well, you know, when we're talking about end, end of life and decision-making and so on and so forth, sometimes I am the one on the team that's able to navigate that, that conversation. I just think it's something we all need to talk about. Yeah, you're right. I'm glad that you can. Because I've certainly found myself more able to go there. You just are able to be more comfortable in the dark space. And others just aren't yet. Yeah, and I agree. in some ways, I don't want them to be. I certainly don't want them to be as familiar with it as you and I are. But it would be nice if they could be better. Agreed. Mm -hmm. And I think by, by your, you know, having a podcast like this and just Having people thinking, I mean, we don't want to be thinking about it, but it's, you know, there, I think there are more and more resources available. Yes. That yes. hopefully in time, we've seen that shift, I think, somewhat in the mental health space. And my hope is that maybe in the grief space, we can start to shift conversations as well. Mm -hmm. Just to make people feel more comfortable. Mm -hmm. Yes. So why don't you talk now about your personal grief journey and where all that has led you? Because that's sure. led you to do some pretty cool things, I think. Oh, you can start you. about it um, at the beginning and kind of how you got to where you are now. In the beginning. Well, you know, I am one of those people. I would say I'm a fixer. My personality is a fixer. The car door is scratched. I will go to the shop. I will get the paint. I will fix the door. That's just the way my mind goes. Uh, we all know that we can't fix this no. awful tragedy that has happened to each of us. But... I wanted to do something for myself. I, I was scared. Oh, I was scared. I, 
I had met moms who had never left the darkness. Yeah. And we're not ever going to leave the darkness because they didn't, you know, that's, that was their thing. That scared me. Yeah. I think those moms feel like it's a betrayal to ever leave the darkness, a betrayal to their child, which is not true at all. But I think that's how they feel. Maybe. Mm -hmm. I also had, I think my sixth, seventh month mark was probably my lowest I really contemplated, you know, taking a bottle of sleeping pills and a bottle of wine. Actually, in my little head, I was trying to calculate, what do you take first, the sleeping pills or the wine? And, you know, how much? And, you know, all it took was was glancing over at my picture of my daughter and picture of my son and going, whoa, no, 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 no. This is not going to help anybody. I was also a life coach in a previous lifetime. And uh, health coaching was just you know, an integral part of who I am. Like I, I pretty much exercise or get outside every day, even though I live in the the frozen tundra of Canada. And I just know for myself how much of a difference that makes even prior to losing Katie. So I, I continued on with that. I would put my sunglasses on and I would go and I would cry my heart out while I walk. And I started to journal. I would sit in her bedroom, which is where I felt the most connected with her. And looking back in those journals, I mean, some of them were just nonsense. But over time, I started to to really express myself. You know, it was a safe place for me to share how I felt. If I was angry at somebody, right, I could Mm -hmm. just let them have it on paper. And nobody was the wiser. I couldn't hurt anybody's feelings because you can't take words back once said. So that was a really, really important part of my journey was journaling. Mm -hmm. And I had also connected with a local group of grieving moms. Fortunately, unfortunately, I worked in a building where there was another mom who had lost a teenage son in a car accident. Mm -hmm. And she was very, very gracious. And she said, I don't know when you are going to be ready for this, a group like this, but I just want you to know that we're here. Well, I lost Katie on December 8th and somehow, some way on December, I think it was like 22nd days before Christmas. I went to a gathering of grieving moms. I mean, who does this? You know who Um, does that? I do that. Oh, there you go. This is why Linda said, you just remind me so much of her. I really think you would be great because Andy had been gone, like, I think 15 days when we went to our first grief support group. So Okay. Yes. See? See? We're the same. Mm-hmm. We are. We <laughs> <Yeah>. are. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, connection, connection with other grieving moms has really been a big part of my journey because I think it's, you know, grief and child loss is so isolating, even though logically in our heads, we know we're not the only ones, but it feels like we're the only ones. Yeah. So when we can share space with other moms and what I really valued actually was being in the space with moms who had been on this journey longer than me. Yes. Because they gave me the gift of hope. Right. And I tell the story all the time, but it was so powerful. So at this very first get together, 
uh, we were in, in, in a mom's house. It was a large house. And, you know, if you can imagine maybe 15 women kind of, sort of sitting in a rough circle, right. um, in this living room, but there were all kinds of side conversations going on. Like it wasn't a formal circle where we were all sharing with one another. It was just, you know, it was a get together. But there were lots of conversation and mom saying, I can't stand Christmas. I'm not doing it. You know, yeah. I wish everything would go away, which I completely understand. But for whatever reason, my eyes and ears zoned in across the room on these two women. And they had been on their grief journey about four and five years further than me. They were well put together. They had makeup on. You know, if you took the, the, a picture of them from, from within the group, you'd never guess that they were in a grief group. They were laughing and chuckling with each other. And, and the one mom says, you know what? She goes, I'm going to do Christmas this year. My daughter loved Christmas, but we're not going to do it the regular way. We're going to have chili and beans. And we're going to, you know, instead of going tobogganing, we're going to go horseback riding. And instead of opening gifts on Christmas morning, we're going to do it on New Year's Day. And I thought, wow, that's a really great way to think about it. She said, my son still deserves Christmas memories. And that was kind of like, ding. Yeah. And then the other mom said, you know what? My daughter loved to have a good time. I am tired of being in my house and being in my bathrobe and being tired, you know, being all by myself, I'm going to live my best life for my daughter. And it was just kind of like, you know, there was almost like a halo in my mind's eye around these two women. And I thought, that's how I want to do my grief because my daughter did love life and she did live large. And I do want to make her proud. And my son does deserve a quote unquote normal life as much as possible. Mm -hmm. So that was just kind of an eye-opening experience to me because clearly these women are still grieving their daughters, right? You know, they, they talked about them incessantly. They had pictures to show everybody. It's not like they were sitting on the far end outside of the grief, so to speak. They were very much there as grieving moms. Mm -hmm. So it was just a kind of a, an aha moment for me that I thought, hmm, okay. So I do have a choice in this matter of how I how I do this thing called grief. Right. And you have can see right in front of you how different people are doing it differently. Absolutely. And who you'd like to try to model a little bit, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. yep. I remember thinking of my group, and I've talked about this quite a bit. My good friend Stephanie now, who does you know, she works for Starlight Ministries now, never would have dreamed that when we first started. She's a year ahead of me. And every time I hit any sort of milestone, I would think to myself, Stephanie did this last year. Mm -hmm. If Stephanie can do this, I can do this. And it's just, it's always been that way. I've always feel like I know I can because Stephanie did. And now... I am that to some people. And there are specific people in my life that I think about that, people who are a year, year and a half behind me. And it's it sometimes will motivate me to do my best knowing that they're looking to see how I do too, right? You're absolutely right. I hadn't thought of it that way, but you're absolutely right. 
so yeah, and that's just been kind of a newer thing way of thinking for me because really it has been for a long time it's just been Stephanie can, has done it I can do it Stephanie has done it I can do it and just seeing the people ahead of me but now I do like to think of the people behind me as well mm-hmm. that's very empowering I like that yeah well and it is you're right I think that's a good word for it because it does help you get a little feel like you have a little more control right and that's what empowerment is is feeling like you're in a little more control you're right so you have gone on, though, to do some different groups and things like that. So talk about that a little bit. Sure. Um, you know, I said that journaling was very powerful for me and very healing. And one day I said to my husband, I'm going to write a book. And he says, you're what? I said, I want to write a book. And he said, about what? And I said, well, about losing Katie. And he said, who's going to want to read that? And I said, you know, I don't know. But even if there's one person that reads the book that, Mm -hmm. you know, gets something out of it, then, then it was worthwhile. Yeah. He said, well, whatever, you know, kind of like, okay, (laughs) he knows not to argue with me. Um, So I wrote a book and I released and published that in 2019 and I also included the stories and experiences of 31 other moms. So it's it's not just, you know, dear world, here's this really sad story about my child that died in a car accident. I, as I said earlier, I'm a doer. Um, I need activities to do. And I, so I've woven through the book about, there's about a hundred different little baby steps that, that moms can take and just things that helped me, right? Mm-hmm. Things that helped me on my journey. And then after I published the book, I thought, okay, well, now what am I going to do? Because as a grieving mom, we all know you don't just read a book and somehow feel better, right? It might give you some direction. But so then from the book, I developed some courses. They were, you know, around the six week mark. But then I thought, well, then what do you do after six weeks, right? Like it's not, again, this is, you're not done. So I created something. Um, I resisted doing this for a long time because it just sounded icky. But I actually created a membership space for moms because I thought, oh my God, who wants to belong to this awful club? But again, I realized that what women grieving moms are really craving is connection. Yeah. And COVID was happening and we were all locked in our houses. We couldn't go to in-person things. Thought, well, I'll try this thing and we'll see what happens. It is probably one of the most awesome things that I've created. Mm-hmm. I get so much stuff out of, out of the sharing that happens. And it's not, I wouldn't even call it a support group. Uh, it's more mentorship. Like it's, it's forward focused, healing focused. What can we do for ourselves as a group? So sometimes I'll have guest speakers. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes I will uh, have just live Q and A and folks can just ask me stuff. Tonight, we're having a group discussion on being angry at God. So we have group discussions on a variety of topics. And then we have member mixers too, where it's just really casual and people can come and it's just sort of get to know each other a bit better and our kids. 
So I started that last October. So it's just over a year. And then just a couple weeks ago, I hosted a retreat. And, you know, as I said in the beginning, it's funny how the universe works. Mm -hmm. Uh, My daughter loved horses. Love, 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 love horses. Like for, for years, every time we went on a holiday, we'd have to find the closest ranch. We'd have to go for a trail ride. And uh, she had a stuffed horse, like everything. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, she got into dancing and, and the horses faded away. But I got a message from a ranch north of where I live. They said, we heard that you were starting to inquire about retreats for your group. We would love to to host you at our ranch, no strings attached, just come and see what we're about, you know, come and meet the horses, you know, just it's as an option. Well, after that weekend, I completely fell in love with the ranch. Like Mm -hmm. if I lived close enough, I think I would be there every day. The horses are amazing. The owners are amazing. Everything was amazing. So never having done this before, I hosted a mom's retreat there just a couple of weeks ago and it was nothing short of fabulous. Um, So I combined some of my grief program stuff Mm -hmm. and they uh, had the the herd and it was just all about just really being mindful. When you are working with a 1500 pound animal Mm -hmm. who is actually prey like we are predators of horses so they're technically wired to be afraid of us if we are not mindful and in the moment Mm -hmm. we're hoped horses will also pick up on our vibe very quickly like if we're within 20 feet of a horse they will take on whatever we are feeling so if we're feeling anxious angry frustrated any of these things which grieving moms are yes the horse will become very agitated, right? You want a calm horse. You want a happy horse. So it's really about being in the moment. Um, So the ladies worked in the arena for um, probably around 10 hours total. And then I did work with them as well. We went on nature hikes. We did yoga. It was just amazing. And uh, so now, now that I've had a couple weeks, now I'm thinking about when I'm going to do it next and maybe other locations. So Mm -hmm. perhaps in the U.S. Wow. Wow. So how many women did you have attend? We had 10. Okay. That's a nice number to start out with, you'd say. Mm Mm-hmm. It was. um, I mean, we were kind of limited by the, the size of the ranch house. The owner's and me, we all slept out in the barn. I mean, it was a, it's a really nice barn, really nice barn. So we slept out there. So the ladies had the run of the house. It's a beautiful stunning, like it could be one of those ones that you, you know, country living kind of thing you open up and it's, you know, that kind of a a ranch house. Uh, So we were able to just be together and hang out in the big living room and, and do all the things together. Nobody had to get in the car and then drive to a remote place, like a hotel in town. We were all together. It was great. And you said this place wasn't that close to you. No, no, it's four hours north of me. So 
How did they even hear about this? Well, this group that I run, uh, we get together on Wednesdays and I had said to them, you know, there's only, there's only 10 spots and everybody in my group and I had first dibs. So we had people coming in from Texas. We had a couple of people coming in from Ontario and then a few people from the province that I live in. Mm-hmm. It was a really good turnout. But how did the ranch people find out to offer this up to you? <laughs> That's what well, I'm kind of curious about. I get it. I get it. Yeah. There's a woman who does work. Let's say, let's see how am I going to choose to say this? She has a movement and it's called more joy. So she put retreats on like this, just for women, like to find more joy. Okay. Um, So I I had seen what she had done at the ranch. So I, I texted her and I said, can you tell me more about this? Okay. And she was super awesome and super transparent, but she said, yeah. To host it, it costs between twelve and fifteen thousand dollars. To which I said, "Oh my gosh, okay, well I won't be doing that." <laughs> but then she she put a little bug in the ranch owner's ear, oh. and that's how I got invited up there. Oh, that is so special. Hmm. So, how many people are in your membership group then, at large? You know, there are, there are about a hundred people, but a lot of people can't make it every uh, week. So some people just um, will watch the recordings of our Zoom Mm -hmm. and some people will also just use the library resources. Okay. So, you know, there's, there's different ways and different materials that people have access to. And some just feel more comfortable watching things in recording. Yeah, I would say that's definitely the case. I've talked to some moms that just don't feel ready to really see people in person. So that's why virtual options can be nice, right? Mm -hmm. But the other thing is, is sometimes even that is too much. I'd rather just kind of watch something at the end. It's funny. I have some moms who won't who don't even listen to my podcast but I do a little write-up every every week there'll be like four paragraphs or something just kind of about it I've got people that can only do that that's all they can do but every week they read it very faithfully Mm -hmm. but for them even listening to someone's whole story for right now is too difficult so that's why it's nice that you can have Kind of different levels of involvement in some ways for some of these things. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So is is there like a membership fee involved then with your group? There is. It's currently $30 a month, but there is a $7 trial because I get it. I mean, who wants to join something if they don't know what it's all about? So there's that. And I'm also working on creating a scholarship for, for anybody to make it more inclusive. Mm-hmm. You know, with the economy being in the toilet and just different life circumstances and, you know, there's been, we've all had a huge expense in, in burying a child as well. Um, so yes, I am building a scholarship fund so that folks can apply for scholarship and some financial assistance to be a part of, of the group. Mm-hmm. And you've got different, it sounds like curriculum that you've written about yes mm-hmm. yeah there's a library uh, inside the membership and it's it's quite um 
it's growing every week, but there's presentations. It's a lot video based. So presentations I've made on how to get through all the hard days in the year, all the hard days. Mm -hmm. There's presentations on coping with Christmas. There's all kinds of interviews. I think we're up to, oh gosh, about a dozen interviews with moms. So kind of like a video podcast, if you will. So Linda's actually been uh, part of that, Mm -hmm. which was really great. So again, that's a really nice resource for moms to just watch me interview another mom, find out what helped or is helping that mom. And, you know, I think we all feel more connected to certain people Uh, just based on circumstances, for example, like, you know, the moms who've lost children to suicide, they're just, they feel more connected. So, you know, certain stories will resonate more with some moms than others. Mm-hmm. We, of course, I think I've got mm, about a, well, a year's worth of recordings from the uh, VIP community. And then we've got, we've done workshops on journaling. We've done one of our ladies is a qualified grief yoga instructor. So she has done a session with us. So it's, it's quite a robust community. There are just beautiful things that people are doing when you can find them. It's just finding them, right? So that's one thing that I think you can offer is offer the ability to be able to find these different things and kind of include them all together. So that's Yeah, and that was the idea. I think that there is, you're right, there's a lot of resources out there. People have written some amazing books. There's a great podcast like yours and so on, but we're not aware of them. So I I do my best to to bring all of that together in one space. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes when you have a big group like that, they can bring things to you as well. Yes, and they do. And I really really love the, the fact that my group isn't too, too big. I think we all really feel comfortable with one another. And I, I always tell my group, what do you guys want? What aren't you not loving so much? Because that helps me create a space for them, which is really what my goal is. Yeah, I I certainly love the support group that I have now. So, you know, when I, I told you I went to that first support group, like just mm-hmm. two weeks after Andy died, so super, super quickly. And it was such a blessing to me that, especially after the pandemic started, you know, Starlight Ministries, offered then this virtual option kind of short term during that kind of first year of COVID. And then they went back to in-person. And then that's when I kind of said to Stephanie, I think maybe we should keep going with a virtual option because I have met now lots of women from all over this country and around the world who don't have resources right there. They don't have what you are able to give me. And, you know, I I remember thinking back about this woman that I had interviewed in Idaho, who was really, she knew nobody within, I don't know, probably 100 miles of her that Mm -hmm. could do any sort of support group for bereaved moms. Certainly, I'm sure there were bereaved moms within 100 miles of her, but Mm -hmm. there wasn't anything organized. And she thought and expressed how helpful that would have been early Mm -hmm. on. And I thought, well, that's what this can be. 
Absolutely. This virtual support group can be that. And mm-hmm. it's been amazing. And and the nice thing about this and doing it through Starlight Ministries is, is they're a charitable organization, so it's free. So that's nice to be able to do that and have that curriculum. But for have people to have people to be able to come in and then you get so close. It's just beautiful, the closeness that develops, right? And then I feel like some of my very closest friends are on are hundreds and hundreds of miles from me. And I they're mm-hmm. so dear to me. And what another cool thing that's developed that I haven't done at all is that now my three members of my group are planning a re- little retreat, a little get together. In Ohio, they're just like planning this now because we've all gotten so close and it's just something that if you can get away, we're going to try to get together and we'll split up the cost and that's just what it will be. But I I love the fact that it didn't even, it wasn't even me. I didn't even do it. So that's what organically can happen when you get bereaved moms together. Absolutely. And a funny thing, just to, to kind of jump on what you're just saying there. So all but two of the guests at the retreat were from my membership. So they, they knew each other. I created a special Facebook group so they could get to know each other better. So the door at the retreat would fly open. It would be like giggling. Ah! Right. Yeah. <laughs> Jumping up and down and hugging, you know, I get to meet you in person. And the, I remember halfway through the retreat, the, the ranch owner said, this is not what we expected when we said we would host a, a you know, a believe no. mom's group. And I said, I told you, I told you, I said, we are just women. Yes, there will be tears, but I can guarantee you that there'll be smiles and laughter sure. too. Mm-hmm. I don't think they believed me. No, no. Yeah. I'm sure they didn't. I bet they were shocked. Yeah, they actually told me that that retreat with my group of grieving moms was lighter feeling than the one I went to in June, which was just women's wellness. Really? Yeah. Yeah. You know, in some ways, I think we've been to such darkness, right? We've been experienced such horrible things that it's not no matter where you are in the grief, mm-hmm. it's not as bad as it was those first few days. It's not. You are absolutely right. Yeah. So, and that might be a different place than some women who are just going to a general wellness retreat because they may feel like they are at their rock bottom then. Yeah. But none of your women would say, today is my rock bottom. Because no. that wasn't. We can nope, all was... say the moment when it was our rock bottom, right? It's yes. like all the people that I've talked to when, you know, the pandemic hit and everyone was making a big joke about how 2020 was the worst year ever and everyone's saying 2020 was the worst year ever. Mm. Every bereaved mom I talked to, unless their child died in 2020, 2020 mm. was not the worst year ever. For me, no. 2018 was for the worst year ever. For a couple of my friends, 2019 was the worst year ever. It's... It's just where you're at, right, in life. So I'm wondering if maybe some of those other retreats, just people are, you know, their their rock bottom is different. Right? Yeah, that's very insightful. Very insightful. Yeah. So uh, anyway, but what a, I just love that. I love how, how they just kind of 
we're so excited to see each other because I have been that too. You know, I've met some of the women who have been in my support group and were just, um, you know, guests on the podcast or listeners or things like that. I've done traveling like the last two spring breaks. I've gone to Tennessee and visited with somebody. I've gone to um, St. Louis while we went to Arkansas and stopped in St. Louis. And I met a bunch of bereaved parents then. And it's really funny. It's like all of my spring break trips, I have to meet with bereaved parents or something. But it's... (laughs) been working out in a beautiful way. Oh, I went to the, while we're waiting, they have this ranch. They're this beautiful organization. They host all sorts of retreats. I went there and I met her and it isn't what people might expect from the outside. It's hugs and smiles. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think part of that comes from our craving of that. And I think we have kind of moved past the pretenses of caring what other people think. Yeah. And hugs are just, right? Like there's nothing better than a good hug. Yeah, a good meaningful hug. Yeah, it, It's very interesting because at the beginning, especially in my grief, I did not always want people hugging me, right? I had people that I didn't know that dropped off dinner who sort of knew my husband that would want to hug me and it would make me feel very uncomfortable because it just, I don't know you. But if I get a hug from another bereaved mom, that means the world to me. That's different. Yes. Right? That is with feeling and emotion and they meant something by it. So anyway, oh, those hugs I'm sure were genuine and real. Oh, yeah. Yes. (laughs) Well, I can't wait for you to continue to have more. That will be amazing. Well, uh, actually a number of ladies who are in my – my membership community have said, okay, now you need to come to the States. And while we're at it, you know, winter kind of sucks. So let's have a beach retreat. So I've got lots of things swirling around in my head. You know, I've got a woman in my support group that wants to do a retreat in uh, Mexico this, uh, this coming next year, November, I think. So we'll have to keep you up to date on that. That might work out for you. Absolutely. I'd be interested. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, wonderful. Are there any other kind of tidbits that you feel like you would want to share? You know, there is one, it's actually a, a, a story and I promise I'll keep it short, but it was another aha moment for me on my journey. And that was the moment that I realized that I could carry joy in one hand and grief in the other. And it took so much weight off of my shoulders. And just quickly, here's the story. So I want to say it was about nine months after we lost Katie. And we had, uh, we took lots of little trips, the three of us, because Mm -hmm. you know what it's like when you're at home, everybody goes off and does their own thing. I wanted us to learn how to be a family of three, even though we're still technically a family of four. But so we took a lot of little trips and we ended up in BC, British Columbia, Canada. Mm -hmm. gorgeous, gorgeous province. And we were walking along the ocean's edge and it was just one of these stellar July days, blue sky, ocean was just rippling in the sunlight. Everything was just perfect. And I remember just, you know, tipping my face up towards the sun and just, you know, taking a moment and smiling and feeling happy for the first time in months. And then having that, you know, kind of car screeching moments, just like, wait, 
what is wrong with you, Lisa? Like, what is wrong with you? Your child is gone. Like what's wrong with you? But then I kind of walked along and I was thinking, well, that millisecond of happiness didn't take my grief away. It didn't make me not think of Katie. It didn't make me love her less. So I thought, well, you know, like we're always going to have this grief, Mm -hmm. right? But we can also have this joy. Yeah. You know, and that was just really huge for me. So I, you know, I never feel guilty when I laugh. I never feel guilty, like going to this, this ranch and having fun. I just, I just know that my grief's always going to be there. So they can be, can coexist. Absolutely. Absolutely. But it is a revelation when you feel it. Yeah. I remember I was just doing some baking in my kitchen and I had a realization one time, like, I'm content right now. And I thought, huh, I really am. Like, I really honestly am content in this, in this moment right now, I am. And I just Mm -hmm. didn't think that that maybe was going to happen to me again. Like, right? To just feel sort of content. But I'm so glad that it can. It really can. And I think, you know, that that's a, a conversation for another day, but I think there's so much mom guilt. Yeah. Especially after we've lost a child, you know, mm-hmm. how can I possibly feel this way? I feel guilty. And I don't think we need to. Yes, but it all. is a normal emotion that we all oh, feel. Oh, for sure. So it's definitely a battle that we'll all have to do. And I certainly will have my share of mom guilt too. So don't feel bad if you have it because it's normal, but also if you can have moments where you let go of it, and if you eventually can let go of it forever, I always feel like, you know, I try to let go of it and then I'll take it back a little bit and then I let go of it and then I take it back. But I always feel like if I take back a little less every Mm -hmm. time, then eventually it will be okay. Absolutely. I like that. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing Katie with us today. I really loved hearing about her and hearing about the amazing things that you're doing. So how can people get involved? Tell me what your website is and things like that. Um, They can find me at griefsupportformoms.com. Okay. And there's links to everything I do there. Links to my book, links to um, uh, the group, links to blogs and videos and all kinds of other supports as well. And the name of your book again? It is called Journey to Healing, A Mother's Guide to Navigating Child Loss. Wow. Well, thank you again. And now we have to give thanks to Linda for bringing us together because this was great. Yes. Yes. And I would love to interview you um, inside my group sometime as well. That would be fabulous as well. Thank you thanks for listening if you found this helpful and would like to support the podcast please leave a five-star rating and comment to help financially you can text andy's mom to the number 53555 or visit the donate page on andysmom.com your donations are secure and tax deductible and we are now able to accept venmo paypal and Apple Pay. Always Andy's Mom is a registered 501c3 organization and can receive donations through smile.amazon.com, Thrive in Financial, and Benevity, amongst others. 
Marcy loves hearing from listeners. Please feel free to reach out to her via email at marcy at andysmom.com. Also, be sure to sign up for the email list to receive weekly updates as well as pictures of all of Marcy's guests and their children. Together, let's work to inspire hope one day at a time.